1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Well, we're still in this series on faith and prayer, and we've been talking about righteousness. Let's go back to uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we've been talking about how few believers have renewed their minds to the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Hence the phrase, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, that we might become the righteousness of God. So we're not relying on our righteousness. We're not approaching God in our righteousness. We're not counting on our righteousness. Isaiah says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we're not disputing that. We're not going to God in our righteousness. We're going to God in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. By this new creation in Christ Jesus, then we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. So, you know, look what's happened to this country since uh, pop psychology became, you know, common and therapy became common. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but I remember malls before therapy. Uh, you go to a mall today, it's like packs of wolves running around. It, it's just uh, frightening. And uh, it's all about how you feel. But you can't walk with God by faith by how you feel. Austin and I have these discussions. You get up on a Sunday morning and you just feel the power and the anointing of God and you come down here and it's a great big flop. And then other days you get up on a Sunday and you just don't, you feel about as spiritual as a fence post. And I mean, it's snap, crackle, pop and people get saved and healed. You cannot walk by how you feel. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. Now, you know, if you're single, if you're a single guy and you ask a gal out and her face screws up like she just ate a whole lemon, well, you can walk by sight right there. <laughs> That's probably a no-go. But when it comes to the things of God, you don't walk by how you feel. You don't walk by how you feel. You do not walk by how you feel. And feelings will lie to you. Amen. Never confess you're blue. Never confess you're tired. Never confess you're sad. Never confess you're confused. Because those are all based in what? Feelings. Amen. And it is God who justifies us through the blood of his son Jesus. Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who can bring any charge against God's chosen ones? God makes us right with himself. You know, I just 
read Leviticus for the third time this year. That's even in the Old Testament. It's God who justifies us. It's God who makes us right. It's not us. It's God. God makes us right with himself. Who can sentence us to death? Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also praying for us. He died. More than that, he was raised to life. So we have been recreated out of righteousness and holiness and truth. We have been made fit to enter his presence. The very fact of a new creation and of a sonship demands a perfect righteousness. I mean, how can we have, how can we have fellowship with God who is holy if we are not perfectly made righteous? No wonder most Christians don't enjoy, don't know the joy of answered prayer because they're counting on how they feel or they're counting on their righteousness or they're counting on being good enough. I've dealt with this my whole life. You understand my mom was a Southern Baptist and she needed a healing in her back. And so she, she began searching on the radio for a church where maybe they taught healing or she could get healed, maybe. And uh, I remember the first Sunday we went to Bethesda Missionary Temple. It was in 1960. I don't remember the time of year, but I, rem- I remember I remember that building later burned down. I remember going down the, the children's area that for the little ones was downstairs. It was in the basement of uh, actually, I think it was the first building she'd ever built. Later, they wanted to get rid of it. Talk about God. They wanted to get rid of it and replace it. And uh, it got struck by lightning, burned down. They got the insurance and then they replaced it. And that's God. Amen. Now, I know people can arrange that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God. (laughs) Amen. But I remember. So my point is, I've been around this a long time. And I've been around people trying to get worthy to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've been around people trying to get worthy to be healed by God. I've seen it over and over and over and over. And then if you let it bother you, it'll bother you. Because we don't talk about it. We're in the ministry. So sometimes we know the backstories. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we, we may know of some guy that's a, a rascal and not even living right. But, you know, he's successful in the ministry and he's got a Gulf Stream. Uh, these are different concepts. Uh, feeling worthy, being worthy, being worthy by our standards versus believing God. You know, and I crossed a bridge. It was in the time frame that we did this. This was so huge to go from three and a quarter acres to 55 acres. This was so huge. I just got my mind around it that it was about faith. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean we, we weren't living right. We were living right. But you got to watch all the, these are all snares and traps along the road of life because you can be living right and mad at God because God's blessing somebody over here and you know good and well they're not really doing right and you sabotage yourself you don't sabotage the other person you know it's uh, I went to the Lord this was 30 years ago I went to the Lord about a friend of mine and and it wasn't anything negative about a friend of mine but I went to the Lord about a friend of mine I said now father I said help me with something I said he is so fat but I said he, he, he's got the anointing of God on him. And I said, if I get above a certain point, 
I, I just can't hardly function. I mean, I just, I just, I feel about as spiritual as a, you know, a brick. And uh, he was, he normally won't talk to you about other people, but on that day he did because I didn't broach anything negative about this other guy. Actually, I bragged on the other guy that he walked in the anointing of God. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, well, it doesn't bother him, but it bothers you. See, that's feelings. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't let it bother us. Because, you know, sometimes, man, we got to throttle back. But I'm just saying, if, it, if, if you let something bother you, then it'll bother you. And so, now we're all different. We're all, we're all unique individual creations of God. We're as unique as our DNA. We're as unique as our fingerprints. And so, we have to work through things in our own lives. I never, had, I never had a problem with being cheap, but I know people, you know, that's a problem for them. Other people, you know, other issues. So we have to work through our own salvation, Paul said. Say it out loud. I've got to work through my own salvation. And then Satan, being the wily rascal that he is, and having 6,000 years' experience tempting men and women, will push your buttons. You know, I was so embarrassed once. I was embarrassed. Sue came into my office one day, and I had a drawer open that's never open, and she looked in that drawer. She said, what's that? I said, well, it's a blood pressure monitor. She said, what do you have a blood pressure monitor for? I said, well, after my mom calls, I take my blood pressure, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you know, I even had the ringtone, you know, from Lost in Space, the, where the, the robot says, danger, danger, danger. Uh, because you could be right in the moment of a critical decision or whatever, and somebody over here walking by their flesh, Satan will just tap them on the shoulder, say, why don't you call so-and-so? See, he, he has 6,000 years experience dealing with people, and he knows you. And he's a button pusher. That's another reason why we can't walk by how we feel. Just have to walk by the word of God. And listen, I'm not bragging on me, but the fact of the matter is I'm about uh, 61 years into this now. And I've been praying an hour a day since 1985. Before that, I prayed 10, 15 minutes a day. But in 61 years, he has never one time asked me how I felt. So if it's not important to him, why would I make it important to me? He's not interested. Now you might think, oh, that's a callous God. Well, how much word do we have to have to know that we're supposed to walk by the word, not by sight? And, and you can just be here and not even really be a fundamental part of this ministry, but just the powers of observation will tell you sitting here the power of God is at work in this place. Amen. And so, 
Part of that is to walk by faith and not by sight. My point is, I'm rehearsing all of this in, in the light of righteousness. That we don't approach, we're not trying to get good enough to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to get, be good enough to get healed. We're, that, that, you'll never get there. You will never get there. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. Whatever we're going to receive from God, we receive by faith. We receive by taking him at his word. And if you have not figured it out, I'm, I'm mulling over doing an anniversary message out of Matthew 13. But if I go that way, it'll be sober. Because right here, right now, God knows what everybody believes. Because what we take action on is evidence of what we believe. It's not theoretical now. We know. Everybody knows what we believe. It's just so sad to me. You know, Austin was telling us before the service, friends of ours, friends of ours, friends of ours. And, uh, you know, his fundraising letter was, you know, about this variant and that variant and can't hold church and all of this. And I said, that's a fundraising letter. <laughs> you know, my fundraising letter is, you know, church as normal, school as normal, uh, nobody's died of this, uh, hardly anybody's been sick of this, uh, you know, glory to God, man, taking in more money than we've ever taken in, glory to God, you know, we're just stomping all over the devil's head, glory to God, that's my idea of a fundraising letter, but we don't do fundraising letters, because you know, we have more than we need already, amen. And right there, see right there, somebody might say, yeah, but you know, when you said we have more than we need, you know, that ticked me off a little bit. Well, see, that's feelings. <laughs> and I learned from one of my fathers in the faith, John Osteen, John Osteen taught, and he learned it from Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin taught, people will say, you ought not say, you know, that all your needs are met and the blessing of the Lord is flowing because they'll stop giving. Kenneth Hagin taught, John Osteen learned it from Kenneth Hagin. No, no, no. The more we rehearse it, the more money comes in. Because John Osteen used to teach, nobody wants to be the last person to give the last dollar into a dying deal. Right. People want to be a part of a winning deal. Amen. 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 So when I came to watch the elementary girls play basketball, and I... You know, I turned to Austin. I said, well, no wonder some of these churches and schools are so mad at us. You know, I mean, they didn't just trounce that other team. I mean, you know, it was like brutal. 38 nothing or something like that. And, you know, because of the way these, these kids are trained, they just keep playing. You know, if they can get to 100, they're going. Amen. Amen. And you're a, big, you're a big fat goose egg. Well, that's your problem. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, we're into winning here. Tell the other neighbor, I don't know what you're doing, but we're into winning here. So the point is of this thing, this perspective on righteousness is that we can now have a perfect relationship with Father God. He is our very own father, and we are his very own sons and daughters. And our relationship with him cannot be challenged because it's based upon the finished work of Christ. <laughs> Satan himself can't challenge that. It's based 
on the finished work of Christ. God has wrought this work of redemption himself. He did it. When we accepted Christ as our Savior and confessed him as our Lord, then God himself, through the word and by the Holy Spirit's energy, recreated us, imparting to us his nature. And that's eternal life. John 6, 46 and 47, Jesus said, No one has seen the Father except the one who has come from God. Only he has seen the Father. What I'm about to tell you is true. Everyone who believes has life forever. Everyone who believes has life forever. Say it out loud. Everyone who believes, Everyone who believes has, life has life forever. And then 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son, here's the King James, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, obviously, he's not talking about flesh and blood mortal life. He's talking about something else. He's talking about spiritual life. These things, there was a, a, a video that we watched the other day about the Great Reset and how all of this is engineering us to an end. And the end is uh, the Great Reset. And uh, I thought one thing that that lady said was great. We're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And I know that it's easy to let go of that. I do. I do. I do. I know it's easy to let go of that. But we are spiritual beings. And we're simply having a human experience. But this is not our home. When Austin and I are done with this Sunday morning series, I'm very much looking at going back into 1 John. I think we need it. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And uh, this world is utterly corrupt. Utterly corrupt. Amen. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I think they think we're crazy, but we're not crazy. We're just not that worried about it. To die is gain. To live as Christ, to die is gain. You know, either way I win. Amen? I mean, I'm not looking to go today. But either way, I win. So I think it's, I think frankly, it's all the people that have been promoting abortion all these years. And then what's going on right now, this is the most unspeakable evil I've ever witnessed. I've never, I have never even read about evil at this level. To inject children who have basically, basically a 0% chance of dying from this to to give them some experimental whatever to protect me. To protect me. Ain't going to happen. That's, that, you do what you want. Amen. Take 20 of them. But uh, I'm talking about me. I mean, I'm going to do something to a child to protect me? No, 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 no. I'm the adult. I'm supposed to protect the child. Can you see that? Yeah. Do, some, do something to a child to protect me? It's evil. I've never seen anything, that, but it's the abortion generation. 
And, you know, we have several doctor friends, and I'm, <laughs> oh my gosh, one of them sent out a list of all the fetal tissue in this stuff. Oh, my, 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 my. See, to this, and you have to understand, this is, this is the way they think about your children. You know, that to turn a boy into a girl, turn a girl into a boy. These are just experiments. This is, this is, this is Hitler's Nazi Germany on steroids to, to perform experiments. It's amazing to me. But it's the people who have no regard for life that are the most worried about dying. See, we have regard for life, and we're not worried about dying. Amen. You know, we have an insulated attic, and so to get up there and in that insulated attic and the, the pitch of the roof is low so that's a real small air, uh, space to get through this little door. You have to go through on your knees. And uh, so I had to go up there to do a chore that has to be done every year in the fall, turn the water off on the outside shower. And I, I crawl back through that crawl space and I'm coming down the stairs and I feel a little bit lightheaded from being on my knees. And, you know, just in the nick of time, I grabbed the handrail and, you know, I started laughing. And I thought, I wonder how much that would cost Austin and Christina. I mean, uh, Austin and Sue. See, my main motivation for hanging around is to put points on the board, baby. Points on the board, points on the board, points on the board. How many more can I win to Jesus? How much more money can I put into the gospel? I'm like those elementary girls at St. Paul's. I'm running up the score. Do you understand? But we're not living our lives afraid. We're not afraid. Who's afraid? People who are afraid of dying. And I guess nobody died before 2020. That's why this is all so shocking. You know, the CDC director was going on and on and on, you know, about uh, 1,100 people uh, a day, I think it was. But, you know, I looked it up. You know, that's what Google's for. I looked it up. 7,861 people die every day, every day, every day. So death is not something new. It's not like, you know, it just got invented. And then we've all read the stories. I read about a guy that died in a motorcycle accident and on the death certificate it said COVID. So, you know, we've all read those stories. See, anytime anybody's coming along, fear, 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 that's not righteous. You should know right off the bat that's not righteous. And thank God for Faith Christian Center where you can get it counterbalanced with some positivity where you can get it counterbalanced with some faith. And and the world would say, yeah, well, you're all crazy. Well, we're still alive. I just, uh, I, I picked a car up from getting serviced and because of the, the, there's no way to get on the highway from where I was. And so I had to drive through 
that part of town down there. I think that's Lancaster across from Gospel Union Mission. And it was just the most amazing thing, just the, the most amazing thing, just the, the most amazing thing. Hundreds and hundreds of people, they're not wearing masks, they're not social distancing, they're not even bathing. <laughs> and, and they're all walking around. I thought, why aren't they all dead? <laughs> it's amazing. Amen. Now, you understand, because I went down that road, now I've got to say this. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself. There's people here tonight. I, I see at least three, you know, and they had to go online and find a frontline doctor and they had to... Uh, uh, get a prescription and, and do early treatment. You don't wait until you're knocking on death's door and then try and get treatment. You, you, you got to move fast. Amen. You don't say to yourself, well, when I'm 500 pounds overweight, well, I'll go on a diet. No, no, start now and just see how you, in other words, you know, early, early, early. Uh, uh, when I'm 50 years old, I'll start saving money. No, 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 early, early, earlier is better. Amen? Amen. And uh, so, you know, vitamin D and take care of yourself. Tell your neighbor, ain't nobody going to take care of you if you don't take care of you. Tell the neighbor on the other side, ain't nobody going to take care of you if you don't take care of you. So you got to take care of yourself. We have an MD friend, friend of the ministry. She's been a big help to us in the ministry. But she says that, you know, vitamin D may be the number one ingredient to a healthy immune system, but number two probably is sleep. So, you know, do what you got to do to sleep. We, we don't have a TV in our, well, we do now, but that's kind of an aberration for when we house is full of company, but we don't ever watch it. We never take a phone into the bedroom when we sleep. Amen. I don't want it dinging and chiming and beeping and doing all it does. Amen. I want to sleep. And if you're, if you're having any trouble sleeping, we'll learn to pray before you go to sleep. So I, I, pray, I say, thank you, Father God. I thank you for putting me to sleep. And then if you train your spirit, man, you, you can do this. I, this is the way I live. If my alarm set at 6 a.m., for example, I say, thank you, Father God. I'm, you're putting me right to sleep. I'm going right to sleep. I'm going to sleep all night. And, uh, and you're going to wake me up at 558. Because I hate that alarm. <laughs> and he does amen. amen is it the Lord or is it your own spirit man I don't know but it works so you train your human spirit by stretching your faith taking action on the word of God John 5 24 what I'm about to tell you is true anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life eternal life he will not be found guilty he has crossed over I love it Jesus said he has crossed over from death to life. See, that's why we're not worried about all this stuff, because we've already crossed over. The death out of which the recreation in Christ has passed is spiritual death, eternal union with Satan. We passed on to that. <laughs> you know, if we've already been redeemed from the worst death, why would we worry about this little one coming up? What is death? Etymologically, what does the word death mean? Etymologically, the word death means separation. And so when you die naturally, your soul and your spirit are separated from this house of flesh. That's separation. 
And if the Lord tarries, we're all going to experience that separation. The second death is the one to avoid. The second death is eternal separation of the spirit and soul from God. But see, if we have come to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we've already been redeemed from the second death. Hallelujah. So the new creation in Christ is in the realm of supernatural life. See, the recreation in Christ has passed out of that by being born out of it. We've been born out of death. The problem is a lot of God's people have been born out of death, but they have born into a life and they've not learned to live it. They've not learned to live it. And actually, in a weird way, I love these days because I feel like I'm stretching my faith. This has caused me to stretch my faith in ways I might not have. And I feel like I'm growing in areas that I don't really know, frankly, that I would have. I'm, I'm testing and trying my faith in areas that, that maybe I don't know that I would have. I love it. And then I, I see this. I don't know this from the Word of God, but I perceive it by the Spirit. And that is, as fewer and fewer people walk by the Word of God, God has fewer and fewer people to focus on making His Word come to pass in their lives. Romans 5, 17, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is it. We're to reign. And a lot of these churches, they're not reigning. They're not reigning. You could judge me, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm 66 years old Saturday, and I, I have walked enough miles in obedience to the Lord, walking and praying. I've walked the circumference of the earth twice. A young man came up and said, Pastor, I, while you were talking, I did the math, and I figured out, you know, from 1988 till this year, and he said, do you realize you've walked around the circumference of the earth twice? I said, no, I never even thought that. But I have no pain in my body. I got all my original parts. I got some snow on the roof, and some of the, the roof insulation may be gone, but you know. <laughs> I have no pain. Amen. Take no pills. And I'm happy. And I'm blessed. So we're winning. We're reigning in life. Why, why would I let something come along and reign over me, rule over me, take charge over me? No, 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 no. We are, we are to rule and reign in this life. That's our destiny. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's your destiny to rule. Destiny. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it's your destiny to rule. Not to be ruled over, not to be ruled over, to rule, to rule. So here we get the whole picture through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We reign as kings in the realm of life, as conquerors and overcomers. We reign. That's our calling. 
Now, I realize, I realize, you know, when, if, when, I'm not sure how old the youngest person in the room is, but when you're starting out, ruling and reigning is different than when a few decades go by. I understand that. I understand that. But you know, when we were young and we first got married, we didn't hardly have anything. We weren't being pushed around by the devil. In other words, we were ruling and reigning at that level. And then by the grace of God, you go on to other levels. I mean, I'm telling you, one of the toughest things that I ever faced was getting used to those TV bills when we were on broadcast TV nationwide. I'm telling you. But I learned some things. And we, we never struggled here. I mean, in the Obama years, we went backwards some. You know, the meltdown. It wasn't really Obama. It was the meltdown. And you understand the, the, the bankers arrange these events periodically and they sell and then when it all hits the bottom well then they come back in and buy or maybe they're short I don't know but uh you know we went backwards some but but we made it we we survived amen we were flush you didn't see me selling my house thank god because now it's worth twice what it was I think Now, my point is, I handled this payment here easier than I handled the payment at I-30. And you, don't, you have never heard me say what the payment was here. And you're never going to hear me say what the payment was here. Because then we'd have to pray for people having heart attacks. <laughs> but you grow. See, that's the point. In other words... Ruling and reigning in life, I see a, a newlywed couple back here. Ruling and reigning in life as a newlywed couple, hopefully when they're 40 or 50 or 60, if the Lord tarries, well, they'll be ruling and reigning at another level. But we ought to be making forward progress in the things of God. Can you see that? So we have a couple of minutes. Let's, let's press on and talk about fellowship. Fellowship with God must be based upon righteousness. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? What communion does light have with darkness? We can be gracious. We can be kind. Austin and I flew to another city here a couple of months back, and there was a man there that had done some favors for us with his craft and his trade over the years. And so... I think Austin was a little surprised when, when I greeted him. You know, I was, I was double gracious, double kind. But then when our business was concluded, you know, he offered to take us lunch. Thank you very much, but we have other arrangements. Well, it was one of our ministry partners picked us up, took us to lunch. Why? Well, you know, I can be kind. I can be gracious. But if I'm going to lunch, that's different. That's fellowship. And what fellowship hath light with darkness? See, I'm tougher on lunch than some of y'all are on marriage. I'm tougher on lunch than some of you all are on fornicating. I mean, if I'm not going to have lunch with darkness, you think I'm going to strip off my clothes and get it on with darkness? 
What do I have in common with darkness? What fellowship hath light with darkness? Now, we've applied that in the human realm. Now, apply it to God. And there's no more light than that. There's no more holy than that. There's no more pure than that. See, and I'm coming out of 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Fellowship means sharing together. Marriage is a good illustration. Marriage is partnership. Marriage is pulling the burden together as one. And I'm telling you what, I've seen it over the years when you got people married and only one person's pulling, it gets old. Because marriage is pulling the burden together. Marriage is to be an equal exchange, both giving of their best. See, if, if I'm giving of my best and Sue's giving of, of her best, well, where's the beef? But if one person is making all the money and they're doing everything and the other person is coasting, well, then that's, that, that is grating. Communion is pulling together. Another word that it suggests is communion. Communion means the two are sharing from the same cup. And in a good marriage, the two become perfectly one and they're blending together. Just as God has said, the two shall become one flesh. This takes time. It does. It takes time. You know, when we got married, I didn't know about all these rules and regulations, I mean, that I was clueless about. I mean, I knew that you're supposed to give somebody a birthday card and a Christmas card, maybe a Valentine's card, but what were all the other days? <laughs> it was a big deal, you know, and I'd miss them because I, in our house, you know, you know, where I grew up. But anyway, so, but now, you know, we've been married 40 five years and uh, it's not all that critical but now you can't go by what I'm doing if you're a newlywed man you better dot those I's and cross those T's and you better pay attention to the calendar and there's no excuse now because you can go online and, buy, and order these cards you don't even have to go down to the store and look for them so we become one flesh but that takes time that's fellowship. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. What is that? I am the vine, you are the branches. That's fellowship. That's being tied together. We're actually, the, in the illustration in John uh, chapter 15, we're actually, we're living on the sap coming from the vine. The life is in him. We're not the life, he is the life. And if we separate from him, we have no life in us. Our fellowship with the Father then is based on relationship, just like fellowship between husband and wife is based on relationship. Relationship is one thing that makes married life beautiful. It is. It's great. You know, I've, I've, we've dealt with people and, you know, you're just amazed how long they've been married, but they don't seem like they're in sync. 
Fellowship is one thing that makes marriage beautiful. The law that binds the man or woman together does not make fellowship. You're not going to have fellowship simply because the preacher said, uh, I now pronounce you husband and wife. That's not what makes fellowship. It's not the fact that the woman is a good cook and housekeeper. Forget about that, man. That's all gone. Or that the man is a splendid provider. Forget that. That's gone. And a gentleman at all times, forget that. That's all gone. That, well, those things, even if you're doing all that, that's not what creates fellowship. Fellowship between husband and wife is created when that man and woman are blended together into one, spiritually, physically, and mentally. You know, when the kids were little, they, they'd come to me, they get an answer they didn't like, they go to Sue, they go to Sue, they get an answer they didn't like, they come to me. But now that all these, all these years have gone by, we're in sync, generally. Occasionally, you know, we have to have some more fellowship. <laughs> so that's communion. That is sharing the cup together. That's sharing the burden together. That's real fellowship. In the church, in the church, we have limited fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. We only see them a couple of times a week, and we're not related to them, and we don't all go home together, thank God. That fellowship is limited, and it's normal for that fellowship to be limited. You ought to get Charles Barkley's book, The Sin of Familiarity, I believe it's called. He may have changed the title, but it's good stuff. So our fellowship, we have fellowship, but our fellowship, our fellowship here is not the same as our fellowship at home because we see each other a couple of times a week, maybe more if we come to prayer, but we don't go home with each other. It's a different level. It's a different kind. It's a different type. But we often have in our home life a limited fellowship like that. Austin calls them roommates. And that is not a good thing, for it is unlimited fellowship that brings happiness into the home. And it's unlimited fellowship with Father God. See, I'm using these natural illustrations to illustrate this spiritual thing that we ought to have with Father God. See, in other words, my relationship with you is limited. My relationship with Pastor Sue should be unlimited. A lot of times in homes it's limited. It shouldn't be, but it is. But my relationship with Pastor Sue ought to be unlimited. My fellowship, but wait a minute, I ought to have that kind of unlimited fellowship with Father God. A lot of people just pray when they're in trouble. A lot of people never ask the Lord about this or that because they don't want to hear his answer. They don't, listen, I, listen, I've, I've dealt with him enough. He's going to give you an action plan. Tell your neighbor, the Lord will give you an action plan. And a lot of people, they just don't want an action plan. So they're not going to go to the Lord about anything. You know, I had a doctor once and he didn't like my cholesterol, so he, he prescribed statins. Okay, so I take these statins, and I started hurting all over. My body it was weird. You know, one day I'd wake up, and my right leg would be hurting. I'd wake up the next day, my left arm would be hurting. I'd wake I mean, it was weird. It floated. And so when we went back to see him, I told him about this. He said, oh, well, you need this other drug. 
And I said, I have a better idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start eating oatmeal in the morning and forget all this. And so, man, I brought that cholesterol right on down. Every answer is in the earth. God would not have put us here without the answers being here because he would have been irresponsible to do so. And I'm going to tell you something you, I know you don't want to hear. But I do all that walking. And if I start feeling a pain somewhere, I eat broccoli. Pain goes away. And it's nasty. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about cooked with butter and cheese. and No, I'm talking about raw. My point is this. Everything we need, God put in this earth somewhere. It's in the earth somewhere. And so there's minerals. I, I was not trained in this. I don't know all about this. But there's minerals that, that we need. And you cannot get them out of a bag of Doritos. <laughs> I wish to God. But it, it is not so. But the answer is in the earth. Somewhere. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, we'll get, we're, we're, we're fixing to quit. Tell your neighbor, he's fixing to quit since this is Texas. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. So say it out loud. I have been called into fellowship with Father God. So we were called into fellowship with Father God. We were called into fellowship with Jesus. We are to share the cup together with Jesus. We are to share the burden together with Jesus. And that is fellowship with the Son. Now I'm heading somewhere and I want to get there. Because if you'll go back and you'll watch Sunday's morning, Sunday morning's message at 9 o'clock, the anointing was on me the heaviest when I started talking about what are you doing for Jesus. We are to bear the burdens of Jesus and bringing a lost world to the knowledge of the truth. We are to have his heart and his mind with regard to people and his work and his kingdom. Let me tell you what, and that's where, that's where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been pulled off message. The very fact, and it breaks my heart, it's sad, but the very fact that a minister would put out a letter, COVID this, COVID that, variant this, variant that, all of that, you've been pulled off message. You know what we're talking about here at Faith Christian Center? Winning the lost, casting out devils, healing the sick, getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The day before the breath of life leaves my body, the day before the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what we're going to be talking about at Faith Christian Center? Winning the lost, casting out devils, healing the sick, and getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus were here, that's what he'd be doing. He wouldn't be doing a Dr. Frankenstein imitation. So we're to bear the burdens of Jesus and bringing the lost world to the knowledge of God. And how many of you would agree with this? This old world out here is more lost than it's ever been. We're to have his heart. We are fellowshipping with Jesus when we go as missionaries, even short-term missionaries to Africa or India or China as a missionary. See, you're fellowshipping with Jesus. We're fellowshipping with Jesus when we give money to send others to go as missionaries to Africa or India or China. 
we're fellowshipping with Jesus when we visit the sick or visit believers in the hospital, you know, when you're allowed to, or in jail or in prison. We do it for Jesus, not the person. First person that I was ever asked by the pastor I worked for to go visit in the hospital, she was uh, the daughter of wealthy people in the church. She was divorced. I, I don't know what she was thinking. I mean, she might have thought she was hot stuff, but you have to understand I was 22 years old. To me, she was an old woman. I mean, I don't care what you think you are. You know, to me, I'm 22. You know, you're an old woman. And I walked in that room, and man, she cussed me out because she didn't have her makeup on. Just have to have to, you just have to have your mind right. I didn't go see her. I went to see her because the pastor asked me to, but at the end of the day, I went to see Jesus, and he wasn't there. <laughs> I visited, last time I was at the, the, the jail down at the courthouse, I mean, it's unnerving to hear three sets of steel doors closed behind you. It's unnerving. I went down there, met with a man, and, uh, you know, I was gracious. I was kind. I prayed with him, and he never darkened the door of Cathedral of Praise again. Years ago, years later, Austin and I were looking at uh, pickup trucks, and he was working in that place, and he told us he went back to his former church. It didn't matter to me. I went to see Jesus. Aaron carried me out. I mean, it was so far west of here. And I had in my mind, we'd be looking at cool ranches and, and cool this and cool that. Let me tell you what, it, it, there ain't nothing west of here. <laughs> and like Dad Hagen used to say, we weren't at the end of the world, but we were right there at the jumping off place. <laughs> and I visited that man in prison and... When he got out of prison, they, they never came back. That's not why we go. We go because Jesus said, when you visit the sick, when you visit, when you went to jail, you came to see me. When you went to the sick, you came to see me. We do it as unto the Lord. This is carrying the burden with Christ. I'm yoked. One of the most beautiful sights I ever saw in my life was in China, 1981. I was in China, rural China, by the Great Wall, and to see those oxen plowing, it was a beautiful sight. You know, we're in the harness with Jesus. We're in the yoke with Jesus. We're alongside of him. We let the devil beat us up that we ain't nothing and we don't count. What we do doesn't matter. The devil's a liar. Tell your neighbor, I'm in the yoke with Jesus. Tell the neighbor on the other side, I'm in the yoke with Jesus. So we're sharing the cup with Jesus. We're sharing the burden with Jesus. And this is fellowship with the Son. Fellowship means giving. I fellowship the missionary or the evangelist by sending him offerings to go and tell. I've been called into this fellowship of Jesus. And now I'm fellowshipping the master and carrying out his will in the world. So what have you done for Jesus? That's when the, the anointing was on me the heaviest this past Sunday at 9 o'clock when I got into this. What are you doing for Jesus? Are you helping in the nursery? Are you helping in children's church? Are you helping in the sound booth? Are, are, what are you doing for Jesus? Because let me tell you what, 100 years from tonight, 100 years from tonight, see, everybody will be dead if the Lord tarries. That's why I like that number, 100 years. 100 years from tonight, there, there's only three things really going to matter in your life. Is your family with you? 
And what did you do for Jesus? Because your reward's going to be based on what did you do for Jesus and how much money did you send on up ahead? Now, somebody could fall out with me on this, but this is not Paul or Peter or John. Jesus taught this, that we send money up ahead. We never thought of ourselves as poor, but I mean, in retrospect, we were when our combined income was $10,000 and change in 1977, but uh, I don't want to live at that way, at that level for a million years. Somebody might say, well, you're just very mercenary about it. Absolutely. You better believe it. I thought one of the shrewdest things I ever heard a Christian man ever talk to me about was, when, when T.L. and Daisy got toward the, end, toward the end of their lives, he had a museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was all the stuff presidents and kings had given them over the years. And then he and Daisy's brother restored uh, old Lincoln's. And so they had a, T.L. and Daisy had a museum full of all the stuff that kings and presidents had given them from all over the world. And then these cars that he and Daisy's brother had restored. And they decided to liquidate it. They had an auction and they liquidated it. They got three million bucks and they put it all into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember telling Sue when I heard that, I think that is one of the shrewdest things I've ever heard about in my entire life because they, they liquidated that stuff that frankly nobody would care about but them. And they liquidated that and they put it in the gospel. They sent that money on up ahead. And it wasn't long after that she went, and then later T.L. went. But they, they sent it up ahead. And I'm telling you what, the devil's a liar, and, and he'll get you, you fouchied on this, and he'll get you fouchied on that, and he'll get you worried about this, and he'll get you worried about that. But listen, I have lived on this planet long enough. I'm here to testify that when you will put God first, Jesus was not a liar when he said in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom. Let me tell you what, you, you know why marriages break down? Because one or both are not putting Jesus first. I'm here to testify. I've been doing this long enough. I mean, I know I look good, but I've been preaching the gospel 48 years. People who put Jesus first, their marriages don't fail. People who put Jesus first, their children don't run wild. People who put Jesus first, they don't go backwards financially. I know, I know, I know. It sounds old timey, but I'm here to tell you, I've been doing this long enough now. I've seen it. I've watched it. You put money ahead of God, you're going to fail. You put sex ahead of God, you're going to falter. You put fellowship with your Facebook friends ahead of God, man, you are headed for the ditch I'm saying put God first and then don't be a lazy butt Christian I'm talking about getting in the harness getting in the yoke and pulling with God hallelujah and listen time is running out for the world and time is running out for the church and time is running out for the believers we don't have 300 more years to try and think about what we're going to do for God this is it 
Right now, this is not theory. Right now in Sweden, they're going to these places and they're having chips put in their hands so that they don't have to uh, use credit cards. They don't have to, they don't even have to carry car keys. You know, they walk up to their car and, and they can wave their hand and the car door opens. Somebody say, isn't that cool? No, 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 no. I, I, I've seen this movie. I know where this ends. I know where this is going. Yeah, but you know, you can have that chip in your hand and that way that talks to your phone and then your phone talks to the doctor and then they know what your blood... <laughs> I've seen it. I've read the book of Revelation. I know how it ends. And you take care of yourself. Let me come back to that and then I promise I'm going to quit. <laughs> You know, I go get my teeth cleaned every time I go. She, you know, she slaps that cuff on me, takes my blood pressure. And uh, I said, well, what does it look like? <laughs> you got the blood pressure of a 30-year-old. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I know it. Because you know what? I, ha I haven't been sitting around just eating Doritos. I eat Doritos on occasion. But, you know, I take care of myself. There comes a point you got to say, stop. But then you got to get out. You got to get outside. It's exactly what they told everybody not to do. You got to get outside. You got to get sunshine. You got to exercise. Remember when they were arresting people for swimming in the Pacific Ocean? That's not health care. That, that one guy, he was surfing. He was the only guy out there. Was he going to get sick from the dolphins? <laughs> you know, I'd be more worried about sharks than COVID. <laughs> No, get outside, exercise, take care of yourself. Do what Charles Finney did. Get outside and pray. Amen. Amen. Get outside and pray. Take care of yourself. Eat your oatmeal. Amen. Eat your broccoli raw. Amen. Whatever you got to do, take care of yourself. Amen. And then get up in the morning and get in the yoke with Jesus and get partnered together with Jesus and fellowship with Jesus and have communion with Jesus and do something for the Lord instead of just taking care of your sorry own self. Amen. Because this life that we live is just a mist. David prayed to God and he said, Who is man that thou art mindful of us? For we are nothing but a mist. And all that stuff you're worried about, all that stuff you're concerned about, I told Sue's dad once, I told him, he was lost. I tried to get his attention. I told him. I said, you're doing the right thing. I said, you're doing the right thing. I said, you're doing the right thing. He said, what are you talking about, son? I said, not spending any money. I said, you're doing the right thing because we're going to know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> and everything you're wor worried about, everything you're all upset about, everything you're all anxious about, it'll soon be gone. And the only thing left will be, what did you do for Jesus? Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.